welcome to Retelling the Bible. I'm your host, W. Scott McCandless. The Bible is an amazing book. I've always thought so. I would even say it is an inspired book, though I understand that not everyone would probably go that far. But I've noticed that a lot of people come at the Bible with some unrealistic expectations. They expect to be able to read it like you would a modern history book, as a way to find out exactly what happened at a certain point in time. But the Bible was written a long time ago. And when it was written, nobody had those kinds of expectations of historical writings. The writers of the biblical texts did not set out to give an exact account of what happened because they were doing something much more important in their own minds. They were trying to communicate the truth behind what might have happened. They were trying to pass on the truth about God that they had experienced. So I believe that our main job as readers of the biblical text is to grapple with the truths that they were trying to present. And one of the best ways to get at those truths is to enter into the mindset of the people who first told those stories, to hear them as they would have heard them. That is why I created this podcast, to attempt to retell some of my favorite Bible stories in a way that might help us to hear them as their first listeners would have done so. Such a retelling may not help us to know exactly what happened, but I hope it might help us to delve into those truths that they were trying to communicate. For our first season, we are focusing very tightly on one particular biblical story that you may think you've always understood very well, but that I believe first-century listeners would have heard quite differently from us. It is the story of the journey of Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem, a key part of the story of the birth of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Rather than recounting a leg of that journey today, though, we are going to plunge into the background of the big historical event in which Luke sets his account, the Roman census and the rebellious response that it inspired. Episode 8, A Council of the Resistance. The rebel leader stands looking south over the Galilean hills towards Judea. He sees heavy dark clouds moving in from the sea. There will be a storm, and it will be a big one, but he doesn't think that it will strike this far north. In any case, that is not the storm that worries him. The clouds are sent by God and God will let their rains fall on the good or the evil as he wills. But there is another storm that brews to the south, and this one concerns him deeply. 
because he is certain that Galilee will not be spared its wrath for long. His most trusted lieutenant, a Pharisee named Zadok, comes up behind him. Peace be with you, Judas, he says, in the traditional greeting of his people. Ah, Zadok, my friend, there will be no peace, not for our people, not so long as the Romans can do what they like in our land. You've heard what they're planning, I suppose. You mean the census that they are taking down in Judea? It's not just the census, replies Judas the Galilean, turning to face the Pharisee. It is everything that goes with it. They've taken over the government of the entire country. Do you realize that it will be a Roman governor who sits in the palace at Jerusalem from now on? I know that we detested Herod and his sons. I know that they were not truly Jews and only pretended to share our faith. But at least they understood us. How will our land bear it if our holy city is ruled by a Roman but that is not the worst part. They are also imposing a new tax, a head tax, they call it. If the tax is imposed in Judea and it goes unchallenged there, you know very well that it will be demanded of the Galileans too. You know as well as I do that our people cannot even afford the taxes that they pay now. Just today I had another family come in and join our band. They lost their land because they couldn't pay their taxes and feed their children at the same time. They went into debt, and when they couldn't repay, they lost everything. They came to us because they refused to be sold as slaves. They had no place else to go, and I could not turn them away. You are right, my brother, replies Zadok. What is happening in this land is against all God's law. God surely wants his people to dwell in safety, to live on their land, and to live by the goods that it produces. If only this country that God gave us were still governed by God's laws, all of this would be set right. The year of Jubilee would be proclaimed, and every Israelite man would be able to reclaim his birthright, his land, and his freedom. But that will never happen, not so long as the Romans rule here. Judas looks sharply at his friends. Are you certain, Zadok? Do you know in your heart that it is God's will that there be a jubilee? Of that I have no doubt whatsoever, Zadok replies. But who will proclaim such a year? Not the Romans, and not Herod Antipas either. He is as bad as they are. If it is God's will, Judas says thoughtfully, surely it need not wait for such people to make it happen. What are you suggesting? Zadok's heart begins to race at the sheer audacity of what he thinks his friend is saying. Who do you think should proclaim such a jubilee? Judas puts his arm around the Pharisee's shoulders. I'm glad you asked me that. Let us gather our company, 
We have a great deal to talk about. Council is held. The leaders talk late into the night. Many are skeptical of Judas's proposal. They do not doubt that it is God's will that a jubilee be proclaimed, but they doubt that the people will believe and respond to such a proclamation coming from such a group as theirs. Judas is persuasive, and the people respect and honor his conviction knowing that he is truly committed to a better life for all the people. Whoever wrote the Gospel of Luke, and we don't know who wrote it, by the way, it's just a convenience to call him Luke. Whoever it was didn't stop with that first book. He added a second book, the one that we know today as the Book of Acts. In his second book, he revisits very briefly the census that he mentions in his story of the birth of Jesus. This is what it says in Acts chapter 5. Verse 37. Judas the Galilean rose up at the time of the census and got people to follow him. He also perished, and all who followed him were scattered. This Judas was a real historical figure, and he was the instigator, as Luke says, of a major revolt at the time of the first Roman census that was taken in 6 CE the year when Luke says that Jesus was born. It seems in Luke's mind that there was at least a certain connection between Jesus' birth and Judas's revolt. The ancient Jewish historian Flavius Josephus actually writes a fair bit about this Judas the Galilean and his revolt in the two histories that he wrote near the end of the first century. Josephus tells us a little bit about Judas's philosophy and tactics. He also tells us of a close associate of Judas who helped him in his work, a Pharisee whom Josephus calls Sadduk. His name in Hebrew would have been Zadok, so that is what I have used here. I've written a fair bit about Judas of Galilee in my book, Caesar's Census, God's Jubilee, Oh, and yes, yeah, since I think I heard you ask, you can purchase the book on Amazon or pick up the ebook just about anywhere ebooks are sold. I find Judas to be a fascinating character. Well, he resisted the Roman occupation and especially taxation and economic policy, the evidence seems to indicate that this was not a violent revolt. In fact, the way that Josephus describes it anyways, the only violence committed in Judas's revolt was carried out by the Romans against Judas's group and the people who were seen to be supporting them. 
I've been suggesting throughout this podcast that the only way to make sense of what Luke says about the events surrounding the census is if we understand him to be saying that at least some Jews responded to the Roman takeover of Judea, the census, and the associated taxes by deciding to observe a good old-fashioned biblical jubilee and get up and travel back home to their ancestral properties, possibly as a way to mess with the Romans and what they were doing. Now, I don't know if any of that actually happened in history. In fact, I suspect that it didn't. I don't think that Luke here is working from historical evidence that he found so much as he is borrowing directly from the Old Testament scriptures that talk about the Jubilee. But I think that it is unmistakable that for his own reasons, Luke has decided to set his story of the birth of Jesus in the midst of some tumultuous political events, an unpopular census, a revolt, and a declaration of Jubilee that, even if Luke didn't know that such a thing had actually happened, Luke probably thought should have happened. After all, as many have noticed, the idea of a year of Jubilee is a major idea in the entire Gospel of Luke. So, if Luke thought that there should have been a call for a jubilee in the year that Jesus was born, who do you suppose he would have thought could have called for it? Not the Romans, that's for sure. And not the Jewish leaders or priests either. But maybe he might have imagined the great troublemakers, Judas the Galilean and his friend Zadok the Pharisee, proclaiming a jubilee as a non-violent way of messing with the Roman census. That is it for today's episode of Retelling the Bible. Join us next time when we imagine Judas's call for a jubilee reaching the small village of Nazareth in the Galilean hill country. My name is W. Scott McCandless, and I thank you for listening. Please get the word out about this podcast and write a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to help other people find it too. Check into the Facebook page for the podcast Retelling the Bible to download a free picture of Judas the Galilean that you can print out, cut out, color in, and add to the nativity scene that you put up in your household this Christmas season. I'll also tweet that picture out on the Twitter feed at Retelling Bible. The theme music for this podcast is Ah Da by Kevin McLeod. The additional music on this episode is appropriately enough called Stormfront, also by Kevin McLeod. Both can be found at incompetech.com and they are licensed under the Creative Commons. May you and yours have a very Merry Christmas this year. Here is the clickbait title for next week's episode. When he heard the sound of the horn blowing, his heart quickened. 
he suddenly knew what he had to do.